The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. This morning we're going to look at the scriptures and what they tell us about principles. So as we open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 10, let me pray for us as I pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the Prince of That in spite of any circumstance or situation, you are steadfast and true. Your love knows no end. And no matter what trial, struggle, or storm comes our way, you are there in the midst to be our peace, to be our joy, to be our strength, to be our comfort. As you came to seek and save the lost, the wounded, the hurting, and the hopeless, those who are without peace. And if we find you, Lord God, help us to see through your scriptures the truth as it's brought to life. In your name we pray. Amen. For those of you that have been with us the past uh, several months, we've been journeying through the Gospel of John. And we've pushed pause through the holiday season to hit on some other topics. But uh, much of the truth that we've seen comes out in everyday stories. John chapter 6 really captures in many ways, the uh, atmosphere of our season. Our season, in many ways, is all about the hustle and bustle, searching that for that perfect treasure, that perfect gift for that loved one, uh, running around and trying to get the best deal, uh, going online at all hours of the night to take advantage of cyber shopping days, and uh, you name it, uh, doing all we can. And in many ways, if we're honest, it doesn't seem peaceful at all. We're rushing around like crazy just to make ends meet. When we look at peace, many times we look at ourselves, we look at our circumstances, our situation, and and we're trying to find peace in what will make us happy and what can help us complete our to-do lists and what can help us achieve the next accomplishment. And when we look down and see a completed checklist of to-do items, we feel like we'll finally have peace, but you know what happens next? Your wife shows up with another to-do list. In John chapter 6, we kind of see what's going on. We see this crowd of people growing. We see Jesus on the scene, and he has started to blow people away with miracles and signs and wonders. The disciples, who are former fishermen and tax collectors and common everyday folk have put their faith and trust in this man and they show up on 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 this one particular day and Jesus is there and there's literally thousands of people that have come to see this man Jesus and I can see it now Peter's talking to his friends the other disciples and they're like look at this crowd and we've just begun can you imagine nobody will be able to stop us and before you know it by following this guy we're going to be the senior VPs of everything and Jesus looks at the crowds Bible tells us there were 5,000 men present, and if any of them had family, the numbers may have been triple that with husbands and wives and children possibly there. 15,000, 20,000 people, and Jesus performs another miracle, another sign. We've learned that signs are important for a number of reasons, but most important is signs point us in the right direction. And Jesus, when he performed miracles, he was showing them as signs 
pointing the people not to worship the sight, not to worship the sign, not to worship the miracle, but a sign pointing to who he was and who he is and who he can be in the future. On that day, Jesus multiplied uh, a kid's luncheon, a few fish, a few loaves of bread. Everyone ate their fill and there was 12 baskets left over at the end. And I'm sure Peter and the disciples, they're probably having their mind blown. Can you believe this? This is so exciting. The crowd is loving it. This is the kind of savior that they've been waiting for. A guy who would meet their every need. That there would never be hunger again. They wanted to make this guy king and Jesus slipped away. The next night, he sends his friends over. And if you know the story, they sail across the Sea of Galilee. A storm comes. Jesus is off on the mountain praying. And so in the midst of the storm, in the midst of this trial, the disciples are afraid. Jesus arrives on the scene miraculously, teleporting in, off the, uh, walking on the water. And if you read the scripture, Jesus walks by the boat. He doesn't immediately calm the storm. He doesn't immediately put their fear at, at rest or at ease. But he's there with them in the midst of it. Eventually, Peter's like, what's going on? You know, I want to I want to be a part of this. And he steps out of the boat, walks on water. But then he loses sight of the Savior. He sees the wind and the waves. And he begins to sink. And Jesus is there again in the midst not to calm the wind initially, not to make the waves calm down, but he lifts Peter out of the water and back into the boat. And so it is with Jesus in our lives. He's there to meet our needs. But he, that isn't the purpose. Jesus didn't come to bring us purpose. He came to be our purpose. Jesus later, uh, the next day, the crowds are, are, are booming. People, have, the word is spreading. People want to see this man. They want to see this one who can heal the sick and cause the blind to see and, 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 and turn food into a buffet, never ending. And Jesus looks at them and he says, you're not seeking me for who I am. You're seeking me because your belly is full and you want another meal. And he calls them out. And I'm sure the disciples are like, wait a minute, there's something. Jesus, we got to seize this moment, the opportunity. There's momentum here. The crowds are booming. Don't offend them. And Jesus drops these words. I am the bread of life. The disciples, I'm sure, are like, well, we see what you're doing there. The word I am, that means that's the same word as Yahweh. You're, you're saying that you're God, and, and you're going to bring us bread. And then Jesus says, no, I'm not here to bring you bread. I am here to be your bread. And unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part of me. And everybody's like, whoa, this just got weird. And Jesus, in an instant, could have fixed it. Oh, let me explain to all of you what's going on. But he didn't. Instead, he let that message linger. And in John chapter 6, verse 66, many of the followers of Jesus, were told, chose to no longer follow him because his teachings were too hard. 
Peter comes along, I'm sure, uh, it, it may have gone down something like this. Jesus, what's going on? Uh, you did great yesterday, feeding all the people, taking care of their needs. Uh, that's what people are looking for, peace in, in the midst of their storm. Take care of them. And P- Peter stops by Jesus and Jesus says, well, do you want to leave as well? So Jesus doesn't doesn't fix the situation. He doesn't try to sugarcoat the, the, the circumstance. He is firm about who he is. He could have easily stopped and explained to Peter, Peter, here's what I mean by this. There's coming a day about a year from now when I will be arrested, when I will be taken to the cross, where my body will be broken and my blood will be shed for the forgiveness of the sins of the world. And after that, I will leave for you a way of remembering what I've done for you in the form of of the Last Supper. I'm going to give you bread that will be broken. I'm going to give you a cup that will be a symbol of my blood shed. And as you eat of that bread and and drink of that cup, you will remember my love for you and my forgiveness and all that I've done to pour out for you. That's what I meant. Please don't be offended. Crowd, please don't leave. I love you. Jesus doesn't do that. What do you do with the Prince of Peace when things around you are anything but peaceful? We have a ton of scriptures in uh, past, we have a ton of verses in different passages of scripture that tell us that Jesus is peace. Luke 2, 10 through 14 says this, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Jesus It said of Jesus, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We're going to look for a little bit this morning at Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus is going to ways, turn this idea of peace on its head. Jesus didn't come to bring you circumstantial peace. He came to be your peace. In Matthew chapter 10, what's going on is Jesus is uh, preparing his disciples to continue the mission after he has accomplished his purpose of dying on the cross for us, uh, providing forgiveness free gift of eternal life to any who would believe in him and receive him. 
And so he's preparing them for the realities of this world, that if you follow me, there are going to be people who are going to persecute you. There are going to be people who hate you. As I suffer, you too will suffer. Do not fear. Do not lose heart. For I will be with you, and I have overcome the world. He has just sent out in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 through 25, he sent out his disciples uh, in groups to go out to be a blessing, to, to bless those who are far off, to take care of the, the hurt and the broken and the needy. And he sends them out as sheep amidst the wolves. That doesn't sound very comforting. He gives them warnings. Brother will betray brother. Fathers will leave their sons. Daughters will turn from their mothers because of me. That doesn't sound Verse 26, we pick up. And he says, so have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim to the housetops. And do not fear, it's the second time he said that, do not fear whenever Jesus repeats himself, it's important. Do not fear those who can kill the body, but instead, the one, fear him who can destroy both the body and the soul. What is he talking about here? He's, 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 he's warned them. There are going to be people, and around the world, there have been people who have lost their life for their faith in Christ. Do not fear that. Instead, fear the one holy, reverent fear. Fear God, your Father, who has the ability not only to destroy your body, but your soul. Fear the one who created you, who created you for a purpose and and, and in passion with, with, with meaning and a plan for your life. Fear him. Follow him. Love him because he loves you. Do not fear those in this world. Are not two sparrows, verse 29, sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father's knowledge. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered for some of you that's less than others. Ladies, he even knows the real color of your hair. He knows everything. I guess for some of you men out there, the one who loves you, who created you. Fear not, therefore, for you are more valued than many sparrows. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords, and he has a passion. He has a purpose for our life, and peace is not found in pleasing the crowd. Peace is found in Jesus. He goes on. Verse 32. Uh, let me jump down to 33. Jesus' words here now may seem contradictory. He came to be the Prince of Peace. He came to bring peace. In him there is peace. All this peace stuff. What is Jesus 
Jesus means that in verse 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. What? Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Okay, that is the opposite of everything we've been saying. What, what's going on here? Jesus explains to the disciples following the Lord's Supper. As we read these words, we need to have a Holy Spirit understanding of what Jesus is trying to tell us. Because there are skeptics in the world who will point to these kind of passages and say, see, the Bible is just full of contradictions. you got to remember the circumstance, the environment. The people, what kind of peace they want is they want their next meal provided. They want their illness taken care of. They want a prosperity gospel. They want the kind of truth that if I believe in God enough, if I go to church enough, if I memorize enough, I will have every wish granted. If I rub Jesus like he's a genie in a bottle, he will give me all my greatest hopes and dreams. Jesus didn't come to bring us that kind of peace. He came to bring a sword. The scriptures tell us that his word and his sword Scriptures tell us that we have an enemy, Satan, who roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. He is a liar and a thief. He wants to make you and me confused to find the next greatest whatever. What is the greatest gift this year? Is it a Hatchimal? Was that last year? What is it that people are pursuing? Is it whatever it is? You all are too quiet. Baby Yoda, all right, he's everywhere. Whatever the next latest and greatest it is, if, if, you're, if you're trying to make all your hopes and dreams come true and, and, and trying to worship a God who will, who will meet all of your wishes, then you are, Jesus did not come to give you bread. He is bread. He didn't come to give you peace and the things you think you need in order to have peace. Instead, he came to divide truth from lies using a sword, not like a barbarian on conquest, but like a surgeon with a scalpel. Coming to divide truth from error, coming to cut out the sin and the things in our life that will tear us apart. And there are going to be times and places in our life when we choose to put our hope and faith in Jesus as our bread, as our drink, as the fuel for our lives, to follow him, not just to be a fan of him from afar, but to walk in his footsteps. And when we choose to make those decisions, there will be those who are closest to us who will choose to walk away. Sons will walk away from fathers. Daughters away from mothers. Because Jesus has come to draw a line in the sand say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You cannot find your way to heaven on, on good intentions. There is no other way. There is Trying to live the best life now is not going to get you to heaven. 
set man against his father, and a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. I don't know if she's going to come to that afterwards. I'm going to just leave that one. All right. And a person's enemies will be those in his own household. Whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. That's what Jesus is saying. These words are so hard. And whoever loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. One of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not have any gods before me. In many ways, we create gods, we create idols in our family. Do you live for your family more than pleasing God? special loved one instead of God. God is not calling us. Jesus is not saying you should hate your father, you should hate your mother, but in comparison, your love for him and his place in your life should be number one. Everything else should be second place. There have been countless stories of individuals coming to faith in Christ and being excommunicated from their families. Stories of people in in Islamic nations who come to Christ to be shunned, never to be able to return to their village, or, or worse, crucified for their belief in Christ. For many of us, the kind of Christianity, the kind of we want a circumstantial peace. We want comfortable Christianity. Jesus didn't come to bring the peace we want. He came to bring shalom. The word for peace in the scriptures is shalom. It means to set things as they should be. Jesus' phrase in the book of Isaiah says that he is the prince of peace. The word there is sar Shalom. Tsar means the one in charge, like a like a like a czar, like a uh, a ruler in a foreign land. Sh- and shalom means the one of charge of how things should be. Jesus came to bring the sword to make things as they should be. He came to cut out the darkness, to remove those things that easily entangle. less guilt. We live for the kind of Jesus who will give us financial blessing if we get our life right, a better marriage. All my children are rebellious. If I go to church and pray enough, maybe they'll get better. We come to Jesus for everything but Jesus. Throughout the ages, we have had amazing examples of people who have come to realize this and have said that even if the world were to crumble and fall, as long as I have Jesus as my number one, that is all I need. 
and, and, and people who were sought out to live for him. Above all, listen to this letter that was written from a missionary uh, quite a while ago. Got to write down when this was written, but you can look him up. His name was, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce it right. I believe it's Adoniram Judson. And he wrote this letter to the parents of a woman who he was once married to. Let me read the letter to you. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world. Whether you can consent to her departure to a heathen land and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of Judea, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, to insult, to persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all of this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you for the sake of the perishing and immortal souls and for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all of this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in a world of glory with the crown of righteousness brightened by the acclamation of praise which shall resound to her Savior from the heavens uh, full of healings for the same through her means from eternal woe to this world. How many have ever read a letter like that? Asking for Brady's parents to get married is not that difficult. If you go back to the land where they went and, and, and the family ended up saying yes, this family was married and they went to India where they shared the gospel. And more than 4,000 churches exist today that trace their roots back to that couple. Over half a million have been saved. That was, uh, that was like 100 years ago, but more recently, 20 years ago, there was another missionary named Graham Stewart Staines. He and his family were also in India. And one night, sleeping in their car as they often would after evangelistic rallies, uh, a group of radical Islamic uh, individuals in the area set the car on fire, killing all inside. The mother was later questioned, and her name was Gladys, and she wrote these words. She shared these words with those who were asking her how she was doing. The Lord God is always with me, she said. I often wonder why the Lord allowed this to happen, but it is far from my mind to wish for punishment those responsible. Instead, I pray for their repentance that I may come to know how much they follow me. Please continue to send the missionaries and support your
of struggles, in the midst of storms. Jesus did not come to grant our every wish, to make our every dream come true. He came to be our peace. And until we find our rest in him, we will not know peace. We were made by him and for him. Nothing in this world can truly satisfy, not our family, not our relationships, not our job, not our heaps and heaps of stuff. Nothing in this world can satisfy us. For those of you who are looking at your notes, you're like, wow, he has barely covered anything on this page. And I won't try to force it in because we're already over time. But I want to share with you a couple closing thoughts. If you're here this morning, I want you to know that there is a loving father who is here. Your first blank was the word comfort. He is here to comfort you. If you don't know comfort in the midst of storm, I invite you to take Pam to lunch. Let her share with you the reason she has peace, even in the midst of fighting cancer, losing a husband and a daughter. She has peace because she has a Savior. And some of you, you're searching for that peace. And I'm here to tell you this morning that you aren't going to find it in accomplishing your wish list and checking off boxes and even attending church services occasionally. The only way that you will find the peace that you're truly searching for is by finding life in Christ. At the end of our service, I want to let you know that we will have a time of reflection and response, but more importantly, for those that are, especially through the Christmas seasons, that are struggling with, with the lack of peace, especially during this Christmas season, the, uh, missing a loved one or, 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 or dealing with hardship of not being able to provide the kind of Christmas that you wish you could for your family, you are not alone. And I would invite you to come towards the front. We'll have a number of our spiritual leadership team, our prayer members up at the front, ready to pray with you because you are not alone. We are here as your church family. And more importantly, you have a God and a Savior who loves you, who promises to be with you in every circumstance and situation. He knows every struggle you are dealing with, and he is here to comfort you. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He also is the God who saves us. And through Christ we can experience salvation and joy the way that he intended. Romans 5.1 Therefore since we have been justified through faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 tells us, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ, for Christ himself is our peace. And so I invite you to experience the depth of what peace truly is by accepting the relationship that God offers to anyone who will receive it. He has made it possible for us to become his sons and daughters. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, as our worship team comes to get in place, 
I read these closing words to you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and gave us now the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We now, those of us who have received this gift of reconciliation, who have received his peace, we now are ministers and ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, his son, Jesus Christ, who had knew no sin. He never sinned. He lived a perfect life. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we in him might become the righteousness of God. Jesus went to the cross in our place, taking our sin upon himself to be able to offer us peace, true peace, not the peace that fades, not the peace that only lasts for a temporary moment, but peace that endures through all circumstances, situations, trials, and struggles. Do you know that peace? Do you know the Savior? Without the Savior, there can be no peace. But if you know the Savior, you will know peace. If you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor John, I am not experiencing much peace in my life right now. I need the love and comfort and strength of Jesus, my Savior, in my life. We're here to pray for you and to lift you up. And so I invite you as our worship team plays that you would come to the altar. You would come to the front of this room and just lift up your broken heart to the Lord and call out to him, the Prince of Peace. And he will meet you in that moment to lift you, to carry you, to sustain you through that time of brokenness, through that dealing with the loss of a loved one, for, through this time and season of not being able to put things together. He will hold you and sustain you to be your peace. And for those of you in this room who maybe were invited by a friend or a loved one or, or maybe for some reason you have no idea about, you just felt led to come to this church this morning, this gathering, I'm glad you're here. And Jesus has drawn you here because he loves you. And the Bible tells us that if we open up our hearts to put our faith and trust in him, if we confess with our mouth that we need him as Lord, then he will come in and save us and make us new. He will make you his child. If you've never done that this morning, the greatest gift to ever be received is the gift of new life, of salvation, of forgiveness, of peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. And right now, where you sit, you can call out to him and say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I open up my heart to receive you. Come in and make me new. Help me to stop looking for peace 
in the things of this world, but instead help me to find peace in you. Forgive me for my sins. I turn to you. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Thank you for loving me. And now help me to follow you. Father God, I pray for all those in this room, those who have come to you anew for the first time and those who are dealing with struggle in their life, who know you as Savior, but are not experiencing the kind of peace that you have for them. I pray that all of us would come and receive what you have to offer, your love, your forgiveness, and your peace. Meet us here in this moment. four corners of this room, we have a table set up as a reminder of what Jesus was spoken of. He said on the night before he was arrested, the bread that I'm eating with you, this bread is a symbol. As often as you eat of this in the future, remember my body broken for you. This cup, this cup, as often as you drink of it, remember my blood shed for you. As often as you eat these, remember that I've given up my life for you so that you would now live for me. In the four corners of our room, We have broken bread and cups of drink for you to remember communion, to eat of this in remembrance of him. On each table, there's also an empty basket for those of you who wish to worship through the act of giving of tithes and offerings. We say thank you for the way that you're investing what God is doing in us and through us. And I'd love to pray with any of you and members of our prayer team will pray with any of you that are looking for peace or have given your heart to Jesus today, come let us know. We'd love to celebrate that decision with you.